Can you hear me? Oh, sure. What a what a bad start. Uh, the green the green light was flashing, was flashing. Uh, what a great time of worship, hey? Sal uh, and Marcel, just so good, just to be in God's presence. I I couldn't help but think about the coronation that I didn't watch, um, but people told me about it. But it's like, ah, far preferred, just celebrating and people saying it's my once in a lifetime coronation. We can do this every week. Just come into God's presence, glorify Him, lose ourselves in Him, uh, give Him our all because He is worthy. Come on now. Eh? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, gee, we thank You for who You are. Thank You that You are the King of Kings. Thank You just for the privilege of coming here week and week in and week out and worshiping you and lord we know that this is just a foretaste of something so much better to come when we are with you for eternity but we 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 just are so grateful our hearts are full to overflowing this morning just to be in the presence of the king of kings to be able to worship you enjoy you receive from you this morning and lord we just pray for this time that we spend in your word that you would come and just minister to each of us this morning, that, that you would just launch us forward into the plans and purposes you have for us. In Jesus' wonderful name, we pray. Come on. So I'm going to try and be a bit different. I don't have many I have a couple of scriptures. I don't have any slides, not even one. Like, what's up? <laughs> so I said, taking things to a new level. Uh, but what I'm going to try and do is just, it's just sort of tell a story this morning and I think in the story let's just let God speak to us certainly it's it's always a privilege to come and share because the person sharing receives the most of of what God is doing but let me not be sound like I'm selfish but but it's it's it is just such a privilege to come and share God's work so I wanted to talk to you talk this morning about Going all the way back to Genesis, not Genesis 1. Uh, Arnold was concerned that we were starting at the very beginning uh, this morning. But when we think about the patriarchs, and with it being Mother's Day, patriarchs, matriarchs like, are there. But, but it's a, it is a multi-generational journey that we are on. And, and God is taking us as families. Um, and so it is wonderful to just think about the mul- on Mother's Day, to think about the multi-generational nature of what God is doing so Abraham we know about Abraham he was living in Ur of the Chaldeans when when God came and called him and said I will make you into a nation I will bless you all nations will be blessed through you and so Abraham obeyed and we learned that we learned that Abraham's obedience was credited by God to him as righteousness Um, does it mean that Abraham was perfect by no means. When we, and the Bible's great. It just lays out what people do. He wasn't perfect, but he did believe God and he acted in faith. And even though him and Sarah were beyond it, they still trusted God for a child. And God, God gave them Isaac. And when, I, when I'm telling my story here, my screen's going to keep going off. Anyway, I'll catch up with him later. Uh, <laughs> So God gave Isaac, and Isaac was the 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 the, the, the promise of the, the the evidence of the promise that God had made in their lives. But then, what did God ask Abraham to do? Go and sacrifice Isaac. 
And imagine that. It's like that's the promise. This is so difficult for him to do. So he takes Isaac up to the mountain. And we know that, that, that God came through, that, that Abraham obeyed. But at the last minute, there was a ram in the thicket. But we credit Abraham there. I kind of think, well, what about Isaac? I mean, Isaac said, hey, Dad, we're going up this mountain. I think you might have forgotten something. You've got the wood. You've got the fire. You've got everything ready for the sacrifice. But you're missing something, Dad. Um, and you know, don't worry, let's go. You know, boy, kids and kids know they can, they, can, they can see where you're missing something. But then it gets to the top and then, I mean, there's no evidence of Isaac running away. There's no evidence of Isaac shouting and screaming and, what you doing, Dad? He was obedient. So we see Isaac, um, we, we, we tick next to Abraham, he did well. Tick next to our Isaac, he's done well. And then we've got, who came after Isaac? Jacob. Now, Jacob's probably someone I wouldn't have chosen. Let's just put it out there. I, I was when I when I said that I thought one day I'm going to see Jacob. I don't know what I'm going to say to him. Not this Jacob. This Jacob I would always choose. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't think about that Jacob. But anyway, so I walked into that one. Um, but but Jacob, I mean, Jacob was what was a, was a, had a twin brother Esau, and these two just loved having it out with each other. So much so that when they were in Rebecca's womb, it's like, what's happening here? What's happening? And so she prays to God, and God said, no, they're going to be fighting. They started early. And, and when, when they were born, I don't know if you remember, Esau came out first, and what happened? Jacob came out holding Esau's heel. And so much so they named him Jacob, which means to grab a heel which was actually a Hebrew idiom, to be a deceiver. And um, well, Jacob pretty much lived up to that name. Um, sorry, Jacob. Just <laughs> it's, that name has been redeemed, hey? <laughs> oh, my. I'm in trouble here. <laughs> so anyway, so, so my, let me move on in my story. So, so we know what happened. Jacob and Esau. Um, Jacob tricked Esau to selling him his birthright. He was like, got him when he was really low, really hungry, and said, "I'll give you this lovely soup." If you, and so he got him. And then that, but well, that wasn't enough. Then when Isaac was getting old, Jacob plotted to to get the birthright, and so he did that too. And you can imagine Esau so devastated. He said, actually, that's it. I'm, I'm going to kill my brother now. Enough fighting with him. Now he's gone one step too far. So what, what happened to Jacob? Jacob had to run away. So he decided, off, off he goes. And, you know, in all this thing, God was with Jacob. God called Jacob. Before, see, not me. God called Jacob before he was born. He he had a plan and a purpose for him. And even, even in Jacob's, all his, his deceiving, God was still blessing him in that. He did have to face the consequences of his actions, but God was with Jacob. And so I'd like to read the scripture um, of where, well, let me get my, 
one thing up here. I do have to put my password in. The screen lock locked me out. I'm going to try and be where well, I have to touch my screen every few minutes, otherwise it's going to lock on me. I have to maybe adjust that setting somewhere. Um, Genesis chapter 28, verse 10. So Jacob left Bathsheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on earth with its top reaching heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All people on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. And I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place? There is no there is none other than the house of this is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel. This amazing revelation that he had and, and, and God reaffirmed his promise, his commitment to him. And then Jacob went on. So the story carries on. Jacob left. He went off to Haran where his uncle Laban lived. And he got there and he actually met someone who was just about up to him. Maybe one step ahead of him actually in his, in his uh, tricks. So he got to... He met Laban and he actually, first he set eyes on Laban's daughter, Rachel. I think he remembered her name. Um, sorry, Marcel, I couldn't resist. Uh, and, uh, but, but Laban said, well, if you want my daughter in marriage, you're going to have to work for me for seven years. So Jacob worked for seven years and then, then he... Got was had the had the wedding ceremony, but I'm not, I'm not gonna. I don't even want to imagine all the details. But he woke up in the morning, and it wasn't Rachel next to him; it was Rachel's sister, Leah. So I was like, "Oh, what happened there?" So anyway, he went back to Leah. Says, "You tricked me." So, "Oh, no, we can fix this. Just work for me for another seven years, and then you can have Rachel." So another seven years, and then after that, it was well. Why don't you stay on a bit longer? And so Jacob stayed on a bit longer. But during this whole time, there was trick one, trick the other. There was just between him and Laban. It was the speckled sheep and the non-speckled sheep. And, and gradually, Jacob was winning. And eventually, Laban's son said, you've got to get rid of this guy. He's getting richer, and we're getting poorer. So send him away. So Jacob says, okay, well... Off I go then. So 
what happens? He, where does he go? He heads back home. There's one small problem with that, though. Does anyone know what that problem might be? Esau. Exactly. His brother Esau lived back home, and he hadn't left on a good note. So what does Jacob do? He says, well, let me send a message to Esau. So he says, hi, brother. I've been staying with Uncle Laban the last 20 years or so. I've now got wives and children. I'm coming home. I hope I find favor with you. I mean, what was he thinking? Hey. He said, tell me what Laban says to his messengers. So the messengers returned and said, well, we told your brother. He got 400 men together and he's coming to see you. So panic stations. I mean, you can imagine absolute panic stations. Like, what, so he's, well, what am I going to do? So he takes half his family and puts them over here. You stay there and he takes the other half and puts them over there. Now we two camps. So when, when Esau comes, well, he's got to attack one of us. The other one can get free. I mean, as if that was going to work. It was great, great thinking, Jacob. Great, good plan. The next thing, well, well what I'm going to do is I'm going to send gifts. So firstly, let me get all the goats. And I'll send, he sends the goats off. And, and he tells the messenger, Tell Esau, this is a gift from your servant, Jacob. He says, okay, after the goats have gone, now the camels. Let's send the camels off so the camels go. This is a gift from your servant, Jacob. And then after the camels, he sends the cows. And then after the cows, he sends the donkeys. I mean, that's really good. That's really going to make all the difference. So... He's now taken his, his family, put one half of the family there, put the other half of the family there, and he's taken these, he's got these trains of gifts heading off towards his brother Esau. And then he prays. He knows his day of reckoning is coming. He knows that all his scheming has caught up with him. And he prays and he says, God, I'm, I'm unworthy of your kindness. I'm unworthy of your faithfulness. But please remember your promises. And then, Arnold, can we see the next scripture? The next night, Genesis chapter 32, we read, So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip, so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob had reached the end of himself, the end of all he could do. His last bits of planning and scheming were just, they were, they were hopefully inadequate to the situation he was facing. His past had caught up with him and he was done for. But he remembered the promises of God and he humbled himself 
he prayed and, and he reminded God of his promises suddenly and should I say finally finally we starting to see a different side of Jacob um, he reached a point of desperation and and I don't quite know how God appeared in the form of a man or whether it was through angel or Jesus but anyway he was in the form of a man and Jacob took hold of this man and he would not let go Jacob was facing something much bigger than himself he realized that this time in the past he'd been able just to run away when he got into trouble but now now he had wives he had children he had livestock he had possessions he couldn't run away he had to face the situation head-on and it's it's interesting how he took hold of this man and I just picture this wrestling match I mean Jacob wrestled, and I mean, he wrestled all night, so it must have been quite a spectacle, but the spectacle is like this little Jacob wrestling God, and, and then when God sees he's, this guy's not going to let go, he just touches him, and, and then that touch was like a horse kicking Jacob and just wrenched his hip out of position. It was a complete, a complete mismatch, but Jacob would not let go. Jacob, Jacob held on and he carried holding on. Then we see that God changed his name. See, Jacob was resting God, wanting God to change his situation. But he was the one who ended up being changed. Somehow, when he was changed, in that moment, everything else changed. His name was changed. His destiny was changed. But if we think about even more than that, what else was changed? The destiny, the future of his family was changed. The people of God at that point became known as Israel. They went from being just the family of Jacob to being Israel. Today, they're still the nation of Israel. This is where this name comes from. This is where when you see on the map Israel, this is where the name comes from, from this incident in the middle of the night when Jacob took hold of God and said, I'm not going to let go. Israel means wrestles with God. Israel means being triumphant with God. This was the birth. This was the defining moment. This was the moment that God had foreseen all those years ago. And at that moment, God had mercy on Jacob. And God blessed him and gave him that which he didn't deserve. Yes, he did leave the encounter with his hip thrown out of joint. He left that encounter with a limp. But he walked from that day on in the blessings of God, in the promises of God, and he experienced the presence of God. Isn't it amazing how God sees not just who we are today, but he, he sees us for what he's making us become and that's how he treats us he treats us on the basis of our future not on the basis of our past this was the moment when Jacob would would stop trying to hold on to things and do things in his strength in his wisdom or should I say in his slyness he would instead turn to God and his promises and take hold of God he was changed for the good and he walked into his inheritance. 
what happened? He humbled himself before his brother. He literally bowed down before his brother. And Esau welcomed him with open arms. And the two brothers wept together. It's amazing how God can bring reconciliation when they, we didn't deserve. When he didn't deserve that reconciliation. He knew it wasn't his doing. He knew it was God's kindness. What a, what a great story. But let's fast forward now to where we're living now. Uh, our, today, our situations. There's a pattern that we see in this account which we can pick up on. We can remember the promises of God. We can, when we reach that point of desperation where we've run out of things to do, when we face things that are too big for us, we can take hold of God. And it is, it's through God that the promises flow. It's through God that the blessings flow. And that's why it's so special in worship, just enjoying God's presence. And then we can live in the blessings and provisions and promises of God. So this week, and, and I felt this word on my heart, and uh, we had a busy week at work where I had three consecutive evening dinners, and then the, after the following day it was teams from Malawi, Zambia, and Tanzania. We then had all-day meetings with them. By the third dinner, I was kaput. I was like, I came home, and I just like, oh, hit the sack. And, uh, but then, as it is with me, I woke up two hours later. <laughs> now I've rested. Now my brain's ready to go. I started to think through what's happened in the week, but then I started thinking through the next day. And I realized I've got some Esau's facing me the next day. So I thought, well, do I just try and go back to sleep? Or, and then I kind of remembered what I was preaching on Sunday. So I thought, let me get up. And I, I didn't wrestle with God till daybreak, and I didn't get my hip wrenched. But... But I did pray. And it is amazing. It's like then I went into the next day pretty tired, but having, having prayed through some things. And it was amazing how these Esau's started hugging me the next day. Not quite. But, but the, the difficult conversations that I was starting to worry about didn't happen. They were easy conversations. I thought, sure, this is... Thank, so... So it's a small thing, but it just shows practically let's do battle in the spiritual first. Let's, let's wrestle with God before we wrestle with man. Remember last week, this, um, Michaela shared the scripture about victory doesn't come through our efforts, but it's as we worship God and as we praise Him, so He brings the victory in the physical. I'd like to this morning take it one step further and say also... Our victory comes from when we take hold of God and His promises. Marcel shared a scripture this morning about taking hold of God and His promises. The season we're in, or the season change we're in, Donnie has said it's like changing gear. Now, experienced drivers, I kind of think, well, what's changing gear? That's, that's, that just happens. I don't even think about changing gear anymore. But then I remembered back to being a new driver. It's actually terrifying, changing gear. You're like comfortable, you've got it in the gear, you're going, but you now, things are a problem. You're becoming a hazard on the road and you need to go from the gear you're in into that next gear. When we are out of gear, we've got no power. We've got no control. And will we find that next gear? That evening when Jacob wrestled with God, his life changed gear. 
his life went up another level. If we are going to change gear, let me just say, there's promises that we're not yet walking in that we will need to walk in. How do we walk into those promises? Well, we have to take hold of them. But more than that, we have to take hold of God. We have to say, God, are you really serious? Is this really me? Can I really do that? And we need to wrestle that through with God first before we start to just say, well, we can just step into the new season. It just doesn't happen like that. You see what, what, what Jacob did is he didn't just think about the promises, he took hold of them. And in the same way, when, when promises are spoken over our lives, it's lovely to say, yes, we're going into that new season. We mustn't just l- listen to those promises or look at the promises. You see, when Jacob had that vision from God and the stairway to heaven, he thought, this is wonderful. This, this must be like, this is the gateway to heaven. It meant so much to him, he just left it the next day. But, but he looked at that promise and he, he went and he built a lovely altar. And that was it. This, he, this is, he had had this fantastic encounter from God, but did his life change? Nothing. Nothing. He just carried on as he was. He was in no hurry. Well, 20 years later, I'll come back and maybe I'll come back to this place and, and, and pick up. That wasn't... That's not the way to receive the promises of God. This time, though, this is second encounter. It was different. His second encounter, he took hold of God and said, God, are these promises for real? Because if they are for real, I need them and I need them now. Everything was different the second time, 20 plus 20 years later, but he was in a second gear. We read... The scripture that Marcel read earlier, I'll just read it quickly and Arnold can catch up with me. Philippians chapter 3 verse 12, Paul writes, Not that I have already obtained this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on to win the goal for the prize which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Can I say, let's not get to the place where we are just satisfied with enjoying God's love and God's presence. I mean, we must do that. and We must enjoy His love and His presence, feel His touch. But we also need if we're going to move into a different season to have something of the spirit of Jacob, something of the spirit of Paul, which says, God, you have got promises, and I'm willing to strain myself a bit. I'm willing to, to take hold of those promises. Amen. Do I need to tell you? Do I need to? You know we've, you know we've got promises. I don't need to convince you of promises. I mean, Oh, I mean, just the, the scriptures are just full of them. That we have, we get to participate in, in, in the heavenly realms, that we are being transformed to be made like Jesus. Those are the plans and purposes that God has for us. So, my question then 
if we know that these promises are there for us, what else? What are we holding on to today? You see, some things we hold on to can hold us back. Some things we hold on to can be harmful to us. Some things we hold on to can be a distraction. The bottom line, if we're holding on to something and we don't want to let go of it, it will stop us taking hold of the promises of God. If you're holding on to something, you, your hand's full. How do you take hold of something else? So there is a case of making, making ourselves ready to be able to take hold of God's promises. If we're holding on to our abilities and our talents or our self-respect or our personal ambitions or habits and hobbies, all of those things might not be harmful in themselves, but they can prevent us taking hold of the thing that God is wanting. Or our, or our past, we can be living there. We want the power of God sometimes, but we don't want to take hold of God. It's when we take hold of God that we receive His power. So just the first thing is just encourage myself, all of us this morning, if we're going to move into this new season, let's be ready to take hold of some promises. Now's the time when God stirs our hearts. Be ready. Say, yes, I'm going to take hold of that. I'm going to reach out. I'm not going to let it go. This is the thing I love about Jacob is that he said, I'm ready to take hold of God. And as unequal as that match could be, I'm going to wrestle with him. I don't know what they wrestle. I mean, that wrestling match went for hours. I mean, after, after five minutes of wrestling, I'm kaput let alone wrestling God, and do that all night until daybreak. And even when his hip is being wrenched out of place and the pain that he must have been going through, he still would not let go. I mean, this was a physical pain. He walked with a limp afterwards, but he held on. How, how willing are we to hold on? What will it take for us to let go? It's why we can say this morning, I'm going to hold on to God's promises. But how long will we hold on for, really? Sometimes there's another attraction or a distraction, or we don't see the results immediately like Caleb. But Caleb held on to the promise for another 40 years, still trusting, still believing, not willing to let go. And then at the right time, the promise came through. Jacob had to hold on all night. But he stayed holding on. This talks about being all in. Talks about being prepared to say, look, it's, there'll be times when I, this promise that I'm taking hold of doesn't look like it's coming to pass. And there's, maybe I should just let go. When the chips are down, Am I really going to stay holding on? While we're busy holding on to God, what's great is that's when things will change. You can be saying, but I'm holding on to God and nothing's happening. Just, it's just because it's us, that's hard to do that, but actually things are changing. And, and more than things are changing, we are changing. Jacob was changing during that wrestling match with God, that so much so that his name was changed by the morning when we're taking hold of God we're saying God I'm trusting you to change 
the situation that I'm in. I'm not relying on my strength and my abilities. Actually, I will walk with a limp into that situation, but I've wrestled first with you through the thing. And then we're not fighting people. We're then wrestling with God. And God's power is filling us and changing us and working in us so that ultimately His power can work through us. If we don't hold on to God, how do we, how do we don't give Him the opportunity to change us and fill us with His power? When last? When last did we say today to, to God, God, I'm going to hold on to you and I'm not going to let go until I step into the fullness of the promises that you have for me. Sometimes we pray for the promises, but, but I just felt challenged and, and I'm challenged myself, but, but I, don't, I believe it's for us as we move into the season to be able to say, God, I'm ready to take hold of you and not let go until I see the promises which I believe you're speaking over my life to, to come to pass. That is what Jacob did. That is where Jacob ended up on that, on that night where he decided, I'm going to just take hold of God. I don't know what else to do. You know, we, we don't have to be confronted with an, with an Esau army to reach that point of saying, God, I'm going to take hold of you. God, I believe there is more that you have in store for me. We don't have to wait. I mean, it can come to that point when, when you're facing death and destruction the next day and everything. Is, but let's not let it come to that point. Let's be people who press in like the woman with the issue of blood. She had a need, but she pushed through the crowd and she just touched Jesus' cloak and, and power flowed into her life. We can just choose at any point. And God is there. He wants us. He encourages us. Come ask of me. Come into my presence. So how do we apply this, this word to where we are today? Perhaps there are things and I really just would encourage you. Maybe let's just come before God and I'll ask some questions and just let this be a personal thing because each of us God is doing a great work in our lives, but, but He's doing different things in our, in, our, in our lives. And perhaps there are things that we do need to let go of. Perhaps we are holding on to things that, that God is saying, that thing is becoming a hindrance. Let, let's, it's time to, to let go of that. Maybe it, it, it's maybe a relationship. So it's time to just let go. Instead of holding on to that relationship or hurt or maybe it's a distraction maybe it's an ambition that we have it's that that's not something that God's imposing but the thing is that can stop us from holding on to taking hold of what God has got for us maybe maybe we simply trying to hold on to too many things and and we can and we can be wearing and burning ourselves out and then we just have to have to then come before God and say God but am I doing with all the, all the best intentions, am I trying to hold on to too many things when I just need to be holding on to this one thing or that one thing? What are the things that you're asking me 
to hold on to. And sometimes we can, we can fill up our agendas, fill up our things, but, and actually God's not asking us to do all of these things. Perhaps we are holding on, and we have been holding on, but we're getting tired of holding on. And actually we're saying, well, things are hard. How much longer must I hold on? And I just really pray that God would encourage you this morning, give you that energy and strength that is in His strength. I think, I mean, Jacob couldn't have held on to God in his own strength. It was such a mismatch. But, but somehow he had the power to keep holding on to God. God is good. God will see you through that situation. Let's not rely on ourselves. Let's not rely on ourselves to move into the next season. God will take us. God will launch us into this next season. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we just thank you this morning just for the accounts that you put in the Bible, the accounts of the real people and their real weaknesses and flaws and challenges as their, their, their poor decisions, but also you show us what the turning points were, what the, cre- the, the key points were in, the, in their lives where the things that you had been saying about them actually came to pass. Thank you just for an opportunity for us to see the whole picture, just like you see the whole picture in our lives. And, and our lives are a journey, and, and you, you can see how, how things finish, but you also know where we are right now. And so, Lord, I just thank you for your word that gives us encouragement to, to keep pressing on, to, to, to keep believing in, in your promises, your the words that you have spoken over us as individuals, the words you speak over us as a church, as your bride, as, your, as, as the kingdom that you are building here on earth. And Lord, I just pray that you would just speak to every heart. I, I trust that we, you, you have already been speaking, but Lord, I just pray that you would bring wisdom, encouragement, strength, to each of us that to, to take that step to just to keep moving forward to, to take hold of the promises that you have placed things that maybe we, we have forgotten about and put to one side Lord help us this morning just to, to dust them off to pick it up and say God you promised this a long time ago I'm, I still believe I need you to come through on this I'm going to hold on to you I'm going to hold on to your promise Lord, I thank you that you remind us of your promises. You remind us of your goodness. You remind us of your power. Jesus, thank you that you have shown us your victory. You have defeated the enemy. Lord, we know that, that we know that there's opposition, but we know that you are greater than the oppositions. Thank you that we can, we can run into you when we're faced with things that are just bigger than us. We don't know how to deal with. We don't know how to get around. But thank you that it's in those moments that you come and you change us. You'd redefine us. And, and Lord, you also change our situation. So Lord, I just pray even now as we hold on to you this morning, as we take hold of you afresh this morning, 
Lord, we just pray for your power, your authority, your transformation of us just to be a reality. In Jesus' wonderful name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Cool. Thanks, Craig. That was awesome. Come on, man. Um, yeah, it's just it's always just amazing to see, you know, the thread of God. Like every time we come together, just from whoever's hosting in the morning through the songs that we worship to, and just the word that's brought. Like God speaks to us every single time, and it's just for us to tune in with our heavenly ears and see with our heavenly eyes to see what God is doing. Amen. One thing I forgot to mention during the announcements was a very important one, is to honor all the mothers today. Um, so if, 